0: Let us worship God.
1: first reading this morning is from Hebrews, chapter 4, beginning with verse 12. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. God, source of all light, by your word you give us light to the soul. Pour out upon us the spirit of wisdom and understanding, that our hearts may, and minds may be open to hear your word this day. Amen. Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And before God, no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one whom we must render an account. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the Church. Thanks be
2: to
3: God.
0: Second reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, beginning with verse 17. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing, Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the sovereignty of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, "'Children, how hard it is to enter the sovereignty of God. "'It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle "'than for someone who is rich "'to enter the sovereignty of God.' "'They were greatly astounded and said to one another, "'Then who can be saved?' Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Here ends the reading. My first memories of the text in Hebrews that was read earlier are from my high school class, Sunday school class. For some reason, this was a favorite passage of our youth leaders, the go-to verse when we were having a serious conversation about being serious Christians. I was that kid who ate that all up, insufferably serious. And even though it's been many, many years since high school, I remember being in awe of these words. I remember the chills that went up and down my spine as this text was read which spoke of the word of god as living and active a double-edged sword slicing and dicing through our hidden thoughts able to see past our words past our actions deep down to the very intentions of our hearts i was in awe And truthfully, I was terrified. Did I really want my life to be an open book before the eyes of the living God? Because Hebrews 4 said this God could see all and could not be fooled. Here's the Holy One looking at us from on high with perfect x-ray vision who knew all the loves and all the lusts that lurked in the hearts of our high school youth group, who had the power to see all this with absolute clarity. It made me want to clean up my act big time. Did I really want God to see the junk in my heart? Uh Uh-uh. My covetousness? My jealousy? My vanity? My petty thoughts? Then shape up, Sharon. Bring your A-game to church be good, be good, which I suspect is the real reason that this was a favorite passage among the youth group leaders. Learning to be good is one thing, but learning to be free, learning to live in that expansive realm of God's love so that we are transformed by this love from the inside out, that is quite another thing. Yes, the Word of God is living and active, an instrument used to discern and test our hearts, and yes, there is judgment on God's part, but the judgment is always, always in the service of love. Case in point, Here's this man in Mark 10, who comes running up to Jesus and straightaway kneels before him, asking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this looks like a promising encounter. Every indication is that by the end of this story, Jesus will have another disciple. This man is eager. He's curious. He seems motivated to act on whatever Jesus is about to tell him. What must I do, this man says, to inherit eternal life? The Gospel writer Mark doesn't call him the rich young ruler, as the other Gospel writers do, but we do know from this story that he is wealthy. He's got lots and lots of stuff. And it seems that he's gotten his wealth by being a landowner having property you know the commandments Jesus says and boy this guy does from his earliest days this man has known the commandments and kept them do not murder check do not commit adultery check do not steal check do not bear false witness check honor your father and mother check do not defraud Now, curiously, Jesus leaves out a few of the Ten Commandments in this list of his, and Jesus includes this bit about not defrauding, even though you shall not defraud actually isn't one of the Ten Commandments. So think about that. Why might Jesus do that? Is this a test? Is this defrauding, this act of gaining wealth by deception and at the expense of others, perhaps a particular mirror Jesus wishes to hold out to this man for him to see. And will he see? Will he stop and see that place in his own life where he is not free? The invitation is there if he will take it. You shall not defraud. Check. Now here's a moment I find so poignant. If we could just hold this frame for a bit and look at Jesus as he looks at this man. If we could imagine the compassion Jesus is feeling for this man who is so bound up by his wealth and all of its demands. Our text says, jesus looking at him loved him jesus loved him it's the only place in the gospel of mark where it expressly says that jesus loves someone and it's this guy this defrauder he's he's never going to be the guy we pick to be our favorite bible character but jesus loves him Jesus does not wish to shame this man or guilt him into a response. It's from love that Jesus speaks, telling this man who is enslaved to his wealth the hardest and best news he will ever hear. You lack one thing, go. Now that word go is often used in, in the healing stories that Jesus has, where he, he might tell a blind man who has been healed or a lame man who's been healed, go, get up. It's, it's, it's kind of a healing story here. Go, sell everything. Give the money away to those who need it, and then you will be free to follow me. Stop living as if all of life is about earning and deserving. Stop being blind to how your wealth comes at the expense of others. Live in the realm of God's infinite love and mercy, in the economy of abundance, where everything comes to us as gift. That is your freedom. That is your treasure. Richard Rohr says it this way, To participate in the reign of God, we have to stop counting. We have to stop weighing, measuring, deserving in order to let the flow of forgiveness and love flow through us. True treasure, Jesus says to the man, is not the stuff you've accumulated, not that which you own, which owns you, You are invited to loosen your grip on that way of life and let it go. Friends, that is love. And yes, there is a hard edge to it. And yes, this love involves risk, but it is still love. Jesus sees him, Jesus loves him. Jesus tells him the truth and invites him to reimagine his life in light of this love. And sadly, he can't. He walks away from Jesus shocked and grieving because he cannot afford to lose what he already has. Where are we in this story? Where are we being invited to imagine our lives in new ways? This invitation may feel threatening as we consider what we must release in order to receive new gifts. Still, is it possible to receive this invitation to newness, even with all its inherent risks and losses, as part of how we grow into love? Perhaps you are at a threshold of some kind, and in order to welcome the new way, you must first let go of the familiar old way, a way of life that's defined you, a way of life you cherish. How do you discern what must be held and what must be let go? There's a new situation before you a new diagnosis, a change in a relationship, an opportunity before you, which is both compelling and daunting. To go forward, it seems, is to contend with loss and to be open to not just a changed situation, but a changed you. As the Seventh Avenue community, you are also in the midst of these kinds of questions. You're looking back and taking stock, taking a long loving gaze at what has defined you, while at the same time, trying to welcome the spirit to bring you into uncharted territory. Certainly a global pandemic has opened a wide path for us to rethink our lives. We've had to stop our usual patterns. And in our stopping, we've gotten to see what we couldn't see when we were all moving blissfully and thoughtlessly along. We're more mindful now of our vulnerability and our connections as human beings. And that's a good thing. But we're also more aware, I would say painfully aware, of the deep divisions in our society, in our politics, in terms of race and wealth, and how baked in these divisions are in our nation's history and in all the systems and structures of our present day. Systems which again move move blissfully and thoughtlessly along, unchecked, unstopped, Until we stop and catch a glimpse of ourselves in the mirror and imagine what we could be if we were all healed and free. If love was part of the picture, love that does away with all the othering we are so fond of doing, love that calls out and calls us forward the all-seeing, truth-telling, barrier-breaking love of God. Maybe then we could loosen our grip in the way things are and begin to imagine what they could be. We might even begin to see what the kingdom of heaven is like and what we are like as we are made whole in the love of God. Because with God, nothing is impossible. This word comes to you today from a preacher who is having to learn this truth in real time. When I talk about looking back and taking stock, learning to let go of things I have cherished, things I've treasured in order to move forward, this is real for me. My husband and I were part of a church that we have loved for over three decades. And to this day, we still love them. Our friendships were rich. We had done good ministry together. Dickie and I talked about growing old in that community and had even joked about setting up an old folks home so we could live there in our later years and let the folks in the church care for us. And honestly, they would have. Pastoring that community was the absolute honor of my life. Even though there were many ways I struggled with this calling and all that came to be expected of me. A lot of this, I confess, was self-imposed. I made ministry about what I could do and became answerable to anyone and everyone. So the needs were endless. And I found myself slowly shrinking. I became fearful and tired. I got terribly lost in the midst of trying to be a responsible pastor. And I know I was blind to my own flaws and failings as a leader because it was too hard for me to stop and consider a new path. Mercy came to me in the form of a hard stop. As a church, we experienced a hard stop. And I found myself in a place I hadn't been for a long time with space to consider what it was that I really wanted. Who I wanted to be. To listen in solitude for the promptings of God's Spirit, who had heard all my groanings and my anguished prayers and somehow in the midst of the chaos, assured me that I was loved. Loved even if I decided to leave that community that precious community. Love with what felt like unfinished business with the congregation. Loved even with my deep flaws as a pastor. I could release all of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and rest in God's mercy for me. Back in those days after I first left, I would sit here in the sanctuary on Taizei Nights in this darkened space just craving the silence because my own spirit was so noisy. There was one night when we were singing, take, oh, take me as I am, when something broke in me, some hardened place gave way. And I could imagine a path forward, not because I had a plan. I did not have a plan. But because I was being invited into this astounding grace offered to me by a God who, in the words of the song, takes me as I am and summons out what I shall be. I want to close today's sermon with a blessing. I originally wrote this blessing trying to imagine the scene with Jesus and this, this man, this rich man, imagining if he had stopped to consider Jesus' invitation. So I wrote that blessing with the scene in mind, but it's really for all of us who are in that tender place of reimagining our lives and trying to be open. To the deep change that comes to us as we yield to God's love so friends receive the blessing blessed are you who stand at the threshold of what is and what could be you want to stop counting and measuring and deserving but you don't know another way rest assured beloved ones There is another way. Do not fear letting go of the past. For one brief moment, feel your hands open. Feel your spirit open. Catch a whiff of the spirit's breath urging you towards newness and all the things that are possible when what you own doesn't own you. You are not your stock portfolios. You are not your resumes. You are not your failures or achievements. You are beloved. Blessed are you who are brave enough to stop, to stop in your tracks, to own your belovedness, to receive back the gift of your life, even as you grieve the losses. Blessed are you, having stopped, who can turn around and return the gaze of the God who has beheld you from the beginning of time and loved you. Amen.
3: Speaks your name, speaks your name.
0: Pray. Holy One, you have seen us, spoken to us, and invited us to feast on your love. For all these good gifts, we give you our wholehearted thanks. Amen. Go from here, welcoming all that the love of God would make of you. Let your hands and your spirits unclench as you begin to open to the newness that is yours in Christ. And now, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Amen.